two readings today. The first is from Isaiah and the second be from Philippians. So you'll be able to follow along on the screen behind me. But the first reading from Isaiah chapter 12 verses 1 to 6 will be in your church blue Bibles on page 691, 691. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. And the second reading from Philippians is in the Church Blue Bibles on page 1178. 1178. We'll be starting at chapter 1, reading verses 1 to 30. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you than I, that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Well, thanks, Karen. All right. If you keep your Bibles open to that uh, passage in Philippians, that's going to be very helpful, uh, because we're going to try and make our way through it. Uh, let me pray before we do. <clears throat> uh, Father, we give you great praise for your word. And Father, we pray that uh, as we hear it and as we, uh, we ponder upon it and work out how it is that it applies to us today, uh, that Father, you would speak to us, that Father, you would unravel the words for us, that it might become crystal clear uh, so that we might see your wonderful glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, uh, I've been kind of looking forward to coming and visiting Mount Barker Church for a while because you're a bit of a legend in the, uh, uh, in the church planting world. Did you know this? I went to Singapore uh, just earlier on this year, uh, and I mentioned, I mentioned uh, Trinity and the things that we were trying to do in church planting. I mentioned Mount Barker, uh, and they, they know about Trinity. They know about what you guys are doing, the, the cat's out of the bag. Um, you, you don't know that you're legends because uh, it is, uh, we, we do see lots of, uh, of churches trying to plant churches, okay? Uh, and so there are daughter churches everywhere. That's, that's no surprising thing. That's, that's, no, that's no different thing. One of the things that you guys are doing, and it is quite rare around the world, is that, well, you're planting a church as one who's already been planted. That is really quite rare around the world. So you're in this wonderful position where uh, you, you, you know what it feels like, for those of you who are here from the beginning, you know what it feels like to be planted from somewhere and then in turn go and plant somewhere else. That is an amazing thing. It speaks of a rare advance uh, in, in gospel planting. Um, and I realize also that uh, your, your, uh, your ambitions are great and you've got the sights of England in your mind too. So you decide to send your, your very beloved pastor over there uh, to start Trinity Don Donald. How about that? We laughed because uh, we had this uh, farewell with the staff and, uh, and Clayton and the Fopses. And, uh, and Jeff Lynn, you know Jeff. Yeah, he looks like me. <laughs> Bit taller. Um, <clears throat> and he, he actually printed Trinity Don Donald on a cup. <laughs> So it's making its way uh, over to overseas. Now, I know they haven't left yet. Now, I, I realize that it's, uh, it's your first Sunday without them. 
Uh, I know that uh, you might be missing them already. I know they haven't left the shores yet. I know that they're still around. Uh, but I, I, I realize uh, that for some of you, you know, you're kind of missing the, the foxes. You're beginning to do that already. I know I do. Uh, the fact that Clayton and uh, and Kathy, they're very uh, they're very favorite places to go visit on holidays is where Singapore. Singapore that's right, Singapore and Malaysia. So uh, the very the, that very fact means that Clayton, Kathy, and I we speak the same language, we eat the same food, we even drink the same tea. So all the things that they would come back from holidays from and and say we tried this and we tried that, and you're thinking what are you talking about? I would say yes, brother. I know exactly what you mean. Isn't that delicious? So it makes me want to miss them too. Uh, but I figure the best encouragement uh, that we are going to get uh, at this time is actually going to be from our Heavenly Father. Uh, because he has got some wonderful things to say to us. Um, and I think Philippians might just warm our hearts uh, and help us to persevere. I find it remarkable <clears throat> what God has done in Paul and the Philippians uh, for them to be partnering together to advance the gospel, especially amidst the reality, not just the threat, the reality of persecution. Uh, how was it that they managed to be so bold in that circumstance? Now, it shouldn't surprise you that God had done that, and it should surprise you less that God is still doing that in us. Um, he is still working in us, and we see that evidence even here uh, as we see our church planting efforts here. Philippians speaks about partnership with a deep, deep dependence upon Christ. That is why this series is called Co-Workers Confident in Christ. I couldn't help myself. I had to alliterate. <clears throat> and along the way, God focuses on, number one, advancing the gospel, number two, valuing each other, and number three, doing so amidst opposition. And we'll look at that in turn in these three weeks. So number two, if you have a look in your outline, number two, we're up to confidence in Christ. Throughout the letter of Philippians, it's clear that our confidence is to be in Christ. It is God who has shown us grace, verse 2, his undeserved gift. It was Jesus who gave up his own life so that we have peace with God, reconciled to him. That's how we are now, God's holy people, verse 1, set apart for him. He's taken the ordinary of us and the dirty and the broken of us from out of the mud in which we have lived and what he has done is that he has joined us to his treasured son, such that when he looks upon us, he is absolutely pleased. Not because we're broken, not because we're muddy, but because of the treasure of Jesus, whom we are connected to. Friends, if, if you're here and you're just still trying to discover what Christianity is all about and who Jesus is all about, essentially that's what we believe in. <clears throat> We believe in the fact that we have peace with God, that we are reconciled to God because of the gracious gift of Jesus. Paul knows who to thank when he thinks of the Philippians. They have done much to care for him whilst he's been in chains. But verse 3, did you notice? He thanks God. 
for it is God who moved them to do so. Verse 6, it is he who began a good work in them and will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know whether you've ever turned up to, uh, to an eight-year-old birthday. You know, you go to, to, uh, to a friend, one of your children perhaps, uh, and you go to that, that birthday and you see the, the things that are set out before them. Uh, there's the cake. There's all the games and all the festivities and, and all the toys and all the presents that are before them and streamers everywhere. And Like, have you ever been to one of those? Uh, what I do is I say, uh, I say to my, my son, you make sure you thank your, your friend uh, for inviting you to their party. And what I do is I go to the parents. <laughs> I go to the parents and depending on whether they're crying or not, because of the stress that, that, are, that are involved in putting up all the birthday party festivities, I say, thank you. I know you've spent, you've, you've lost sleep over this. <laughs> I know you put a lot of effort into it. I know that your son, your daughter is having their eighth-year-old party and enjoying the time of their life because you have done all that work. Well, Paul is enormously grateful for what the Philippians have done, and he knows that it's their Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father, who has been behind it all. And just, just think on that for a while. God has been in, at work in you. He has been at work in me. And he's doing it right now. He's persevering and committed to finishing the work that he has started. And if you know anything about God, he is faithful to the utmost. If he starts something, he is going to finish it. And he has started something in us. He's not going to let us go into disrepair or let us crumble or crack but he is renovating us. He is shaping us. Verse 11 tells us what he's been working towards, that we may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. God is thinking of the day when he will send Jesus back and he is getting us ready for it. He's not content until we are free from sin and guilt. He wants us budding with fruit that is pleasing to him, and he achieves it through Jesus Christ. And so here's a bit of doctrine for you. The only reason why we will be pure and blameless and righteous at the end day is because it is Christ's purity that we receive. And it is Jesus's blamelessness and his righteousness that we receive. I remember visiting uh, my parents in Sydney uh, in April this year, and I woke up one day. Actually, I didn't even get to sleep. <laughs> I discovered on one of those days I was there, what a wonderful uh, way to, to, uh, to, to, do, to enjoy a holiday. I had this toothache. I don't know whether you had this toothache before, but I couldn't sleep. And it was getting, it was getting more and more severe. I'm even pointing to the wrong place. It was getting more and more severe. It was so painful. I could not sleep. It was two in the morning. What was I going to do? Uh, what I did was I ended up getting a bag of ice and I slept on that. That's what I did for that night. And I remember the next day I'm going to have to go find a dentist. And I thought, it's Anzac Day. What dentist is going to be open? I called 20 dentists. I kid you not. Found one precious soul who managed to be an emergency dentist, so he kind of felt my, my pain. And he, he, spent, he spent an hour tapping, tapping, 
tapping, pushing, prodding, asking questions. You know how dentists ask questions? You know, with a hand in your mouth? <laughs> I can't answer you right now because you got hands in my mouth. Um, he's, he's poking. He can't find the issue. And then, and then at, at, at the one hour mark, he says, I'm going to start drilling. And I go, you go for it. He's, he drills in and he finds out that half, half the nerve in my, half the nerves in my tooth, they're dead. And the reason why it's so painful is because some infection has got in. And so what he did was he ripped out. That's, I, think, I think that's what he did. He ripped out the nerves. He put some antiseptic in there, antiseptic in my tooth, and then plugged it so that it stopped hurting. This is going to be a painful analogy, okay? God's been drilling into us. <laughs> Thought you might feel that. Getting rid of the infection of sin and his cleansing agent is Jesus. He's very effective. There is no day that is quite ordinary for us then because God spends those days molding and shaping us. Now, I think one of the very great uh, responses to hearing this is to pray and to give thanks to God. Well, after all, he's the one that's doing the work, correct? The very, uh, uh, one, of the, one of my favorite ways of praying is to pray through God's words. If you've never discovered this before, uh, let me just give this to you as a bit of a gem. Uh, it, it really helps to shape our, whoop, shape our, our minds uh, when, we, when we pray his words after him. But it's also guaranteed that he's going to be pleased with it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the first section of Philippians chapter 1 and I'm going to lead us in prayer to him. Let's pray. Father, we give you great thanks to you. And we pray with joy because of our partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. We thank you that you have begun a good work in us and that you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we pray that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to your glory and to your praise. Amen. Now we're up to, uh, to number three then. But guys, nurture that thankfulness. Nurture that thankfulness before God, really realizing God is the one that's doing his mighty work in us. And God, as he completes his work in the Philippians, the outcome is also that the Philippians and Paul, well, they become co-workers advancing the gospel. And so in verse 4, Paul is filled with prayers and thankfulness because of their partnership with him. Some of us used to, uh, used to call this fellowship. Okay, not supper afterwards or morning tea afterwards. Uh, it's fellowship. It's partnership. It's banding together with the same purpose. So God isn't content to have his trees bearing fruit independently of each other. What he does is that he grafts us together. He works to prune his multi-branch tree so that we bear fruit together as one. And one of the fruits of righteousness in verse 5 is partnership in the gospel. And Paul tells us what that means. It's working together to defend and confirm the gospel, verse 7, verse 16. It's joining forces to advance the gospel, verse 12. It's combining resources to proclaim the gospel, verse 14. 
It's preaching Christ, verse 18. It's verse 27, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. You can't help but pick up that Paul and God, they're really keen for the advance of the gospel to keep going on. There was this story uh, news uh, in New South Wales of a bushwalker. And what he decided to do was to cross uh, the Blue Mountains. Now, if you know about Blue Mountains, it's like the Grand Canyon of Australia, okay? Grand, grand mountainside. Uh, this bushwalker decided to cross it with nothing except a bag of potatoes, <laughs> naan bread, and some matches. That's all he brought with him. And so what? no surprise, they found him kind of lost, and what he had done was he used the matches to, to, uh, to, to build a fire in the middle of the bush, bushfire to be able to signal to the helicopters that were swirling overhead that he was in trouble. How about that? Helicopters, there were more than one. There were helicopters that were looking for him. There was the state emergency service volunteers and the New South Wales volunteer rescue members. Three hours of searching and then poof! There you go. There is a bit of smoke. They managed to find him. Imagine that. I'm trying to work out whether he was trying to smoke those potatoes and naan bread or not. But he, but they found him in, in fading light and they find him. <laughs> that was partnership with a drive to rescue. With all these people looking all together, working together to find a person who's been lost. The Philippians were partners with Paul not merely to save a man with potatoes and naan, what they were doing was working out how to save a people, well, who were going to hell. It's a bit trickier, though, considering how no one's really lighting a match to say that they need help. Paul knows that. And it's not that they were naive about the consequences of advancing the gospel. Uh, When Paul first visited Philippi, you remember this in Acts 16, he ends up getting in trouble because uh, what he did was there was this uh, there was this uh, slave girl who had an evil spirit within her who could foretell the future, uh, and so what Paul did was he got kind of sick of this girl kind of coming to uh, following him along and decides to drive out the evil spirit, uh, which was great, except that the person who owned the slave girl uh, lost their means of income, and so what happened was that Paul ends up being stripped, beaten with rods, severely flogged thrown into prison. Paul knows what this is going to be like if he continues to preach the gospel in Philippi, right? Uh, it was quite an amazing uh, thing that how is it that God gets him out? There was an earthquake, prison doors open, chains loosened, the jailer and his household gets baptized. How about that, right? But both Paul and the Philippians knew what they were getting themselves into. I mean, Paul is back in chains, <laughs> This is, probably, this is probably in Rome after the, uh, the activities of Acts 28. Now just notice how God works in the partnership between Christians to advance his gospel. Everyone around Paul knows that he's in chains for Jesus' sake. The Christians around him in Rome grow in confidence and they, verse 14, they dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. There are even people who preach Christ with wrong intent, uh, out of envy and rivalry, it says, and selfish ambition. They laugh at Paul, 
But God is laughing at them as he advances his gospel even through them. Paul's laughing too. He's rejoicing. Uh, Not at their false motives, but that Christ is preached. I mentioned before I was uh, the internationals pastor in the city. Um, And I kid you not, uh, every week we have visitors that come along. Uh, That's that's true here as well. Uh, But quite often we have uh, friends from, uh, from China. Uh, and they, they only just dis, uh, found us on the website or they walked past and they saw the doors open. They walk in and they, they come and say to us, can you tell us about Jesus? How about that? Can you tell us more about Christianity? Do you, do you have a Bible I could read? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, that the, the church doors are closed. No, no, we don't say that. We say, have a Bible, have two, because you've got friends. <laughs> They're just knocking on the door. And I I found out recently that the reason why they do that is because before they leave China, what happens is that they tell people, uh, if you ever need help, make sure you go visit a church. Now, it's not because these migration agents, like they they believe in Jesus at all. It's not that at all. Because what all they're trying to do is to sell Australia and to get some money from them, right? That's their intent. But we're laughing. Because we have so many people just walking through our doors and saying, can you tell us about Jesus? We're about to baptize one of them tonight. How about that? God works in Paul to spread his gospel. He emboldens the Roman Christians. He uses the falsely motived even for his purposes. And he uses the Philippians. When it comes to Paul defending and confirming the gospel, the Philippians, they share in God's grace with him. I think that's talking about how they share a common belief with Paul, but also a common suffering, verse 30. And verse 29 says, It has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. God has anticipated this advance of the gospel from the time of the prophets. I I really like, I really try and make sure that we include Old Testament uh, when we look at the Bible together, because I want you to see how unified they are. I want you to see that this wasn't just this, this uh, brand new idea that God had in the New Testament, right? No, no, he's been thinking about this for ages. And in the, in the pages of Isaiah, uh, we got to see a glimpse <clears throat> uh, of how it is that God spoke of a shoot that will come out of the stump of Jesse, that his spirit will be on him and the peoples and the nations will rally to him along with his surviving remnant of Israelites. And it turns out, no surprise to us, hopefully, Jesus is that shoot. He is the one from the line of Jesse. And Isaiah tells us how God's people are going to respond. They will break out in praise as they see God's anger turned away and his experience his comfort. They will trust in God for their salvation and not be afraid. God himself will be their strength. You can almost hear those words coming out of Paul the Apostle whilst he's in chains. In the day of Jesus, his people will also say, Make known among the nations what God has done. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. We live In that day, that day is now. And this day extends 
until the day of Christ comes along, until Jesus returns. Early in the 1900s, there was not much treatment available for common infections. And what we found was that there were thousands dying every year from things like pneumonia uh, and blood poisoning until they discovered what? Penicillin. It is still now on the top of lists when it comes to medical breakthroughs. Penicillin. It was discovered quite accidentally, mind you. So it would be true to say that we live in the day of penicillin where we would not hesitate to use it. In fact, we fools if we did hesitate to use it. But ponder upon this. We live in the day of the Lord. That's why it's called AD 2019. When we celebrate the salvation in Jesus, you know, the one Lord who can take away all diseases, all pain, all judgment, all sin, not just pneumonia, not just leukemia, all of it. We live in that day. Why then is it that our world is content only to keep on using penicillin? I don't get it. I mean, if we came up with a pill to solve the problem of nasal hair, (laughs) our chemists would be overrun. Why aren't Mount Barkians, is that what we call you? Why, why, why aren't Mount Barkians streaming through the doors today? What is stopping them from f- fulfilling Isaiah where the nations rally to Jesus? I take it because there are false promises out there. We get distracted by the false pills. And the things that people think that they will find that will give them happiness and salvation. Friends, we are those that need to call them out. Because we know what is going to ultimately save in the end. The last part of this chapter of Philippians is an incredible insight into how we are to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Paul opens himself up as an example, and then he calls the Philippians as well as ourselves to live the same. I don't know about you, that might cause a little bit of terrifying thoughts in your mind. I mean, Paul, he's a bit of a loony, isn't he? I mean, is God really expecting us all to be like him? I mean, this is the guy, if ever he had a motto stuck on his t-shirt or on his hat, it would say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's his motto. Like, when was the last time you met someone who said, I'm really looking forward to dying today? That's a strange. But it shows his confidence. His confidence is in Christ. He knows that God will complete his work in him. He is confident that he is going to be delivered, verse 19, that is saved to be with Christ, verse 23. That God was going to answer the Philippians' prayer for this. And God had provided the Spirit of Christ Jesus, verse 19, presumably to strengthen him to keep trusting in Jesus. Now at this point, he's not actually just talking about being delivered from chains. He's talking about 
his confidence on being saved in the end. Because he actually doesn't know whether he's going to be delivered from chains or not. He's actually using Job's words. And Job spoke with the same confidence of being delivered or vindicated by God in the face of his accusing friends. So Paul says here, I eagerly expect and hope that I will be no way be ashamed. And because of his confidence, to die is not loss. To die is not condemnation. To die is gain. It is gain. That's why he can say, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Better by far. That is a life worthy of the gospel. A life worthy of the gospel means to live is Christ. And that involves the fruitful labor of encouraging the Philippians and for their progress and joy in the faith. Verse 25. God uses Paul to further his good work in them. It's actually going to be a joyful activity for them. If that is what God and Paul is doing, then it really makes sense of the command that God gives them in verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. You see how they connect? You see how it is that God is doing his work and completing his work in them, that Paul has shaped his whole life around Christ such that he will remain alive in order to minister to the Philippians and that they were to live consistently. There was a police officer in the States and uh, her name was Vicky. And there's this picture in the, uh, in the news uh, that her, had her holding her six-year-old son. Six years ago, though, the picture was very different because there she was wondering whether her son would survive because her son had restricted growth and he had to be delivered prematurely. He was only 1.3 kilograms uh, heavy and he was losing weight. But thankfully, he pulled through. And that picture of Vicky and her six-year-old son, well, that's in front of an organization that she volunteers for. Now, what she does is she volunteers herself to be an ambassador for those for whom the results were not favorable. She knew what it meant to live a life worthy of the salvation that her son received. Friends, we have received a greater salvation. We've been saved by the grace of God. It makes sense for us to live a life worthy of the salvation that we've received, of that gospel. And you pick it up. It's no, it's no life of dreariness. It's, it's no life of pain. It is life of joy, it says, even amidst pain. God wants them to be living in a way which follows Paul's lead. As he progresses his work in them, the Philippians are to stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. In other words, partner together to advance the gospel and do it whether or not Paul ends up getting out of his chains or not. For they, like Paul, I don't know whether you saw that, just like Paul received the spirit, well, the Philippians have the spirit as well. That the spirit will help them in their challenges. 
They didn't need to be scared of those who opposed them. For the gospel itself, well, tells of the victory that we have, the vindication that we'll receive, but also the destruction of those who don't believe in Jesus. Even through persecution and suffering, God is doing his good work. Their very trust, did you you see that at the end? Their very belief is granted to them. But their suffering is also granted to them. Which is a really strange way of putting it, isn't it? That God would grant them even suffering. Now that, that would be strange if you're not really familiar with the way God works. Because God has always worked through suffering. He has always worked through persecution. He has never just withheld all suffering and all persecution from his people. No, he loves us too much. He grants us that. But he also grants us his presence in the Spirit. And what that does is that, in in, in the words of 1 Peter, it refines us. It works on our trust in him. That is how God is getting us to the end. Brothers and sisters, the command is for us as well. The Philippians knew what it felt like not to have the presence of their dear brother Paul. You know, if anyone kind of knew what you guys might be feeling right now with, with the Fopses leaving soon, I think the Philippians did. And even more so, I think God does. To you, God says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Brothers and sisters, stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That is, after all, that will be the greatest act of honor both for God and for the Fopses. Friends, if, if you find yourselves a little less than enthusiastic about the advance of the gospel, my first word to you for encouragement is not going to be just try harder. Just roll up your sleeves, you know, come on, get your head stuck in. It's not just try harder. Actually, it comes from verse 2. Verse 2 is where it says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. My first question to you is, have you been gripped by it? Have you been gripped by the grace and peace that has been won for you that we have remembered through the Lord's Supper for your sake, for the glory of Christ? I have a wonderful brother named David. He's not, he's not my blood brother. He's my brother in Christ, David. And I remember him uh, all the way from university days. That was a long time ago. But I remember him because he agreed to partner with me. Poor guy. Because uh, at university, what I did was, um, from encouragement, you know, someone said, why don't you spend time um, sharing the gospel with people? And I said, Sure. But I'm not going to do this alone. <laughs> so I looked at David and said, buddy, do you want to come with me? And he said, yes. Crazy guy. So what he did, what we did was we, every Wednesday lunchtime, we would go around 
the university lawns and uh, we would tap people on the shoulder and say, hi, my name is Bernie, this is David, and we're Christians on campus. And uh, we're just going around trying to find out what people, uh, what, what people's view are of Jesus. Do you have an opinion of who Jesus is? Everyone has an opinion of who Jesus is. And then we would say to them, well, would you mind us sharing what the Bible says who Jesus is? It will only take two minutes. And they always say yes. My brother David taught me how to share the gospel with people. But my brother David was the reason why we kept persevering week after week, year after year. Guys, you need a David. (laughs) If you've not tried advancing the gospel and sharing the gospel with friends or family before, you need a partner like David. They're really, really helpful. And I'm pretty sure there are a lot of Davids in this room. And if you've not done so already, you might just like to partner with one. And it's very simple. What you do is um, you pray, you give it a go, and then you pray some more (laughs) and see how you went. It's as simple as that. Friends, there are lots of people on Mount Barker. And I think we've gotten beyond the stage now where we can assume that people know what Jesus is all about. I think there are plenty of people who have no idea who Jesus is. And they would find it really quite refreshing when someone shares what the truth is with them. Friends, can I put that to you? We're going to continue to think about that in the next coming weeks. Remember, we are co-workers confident in Christ in advancing the gospel. And next week, we're going to see how co-workers who are confident in Christ how to value each other. Let's pray. Father, we give you great praise for the way that you are working your wonders in us. Father, we know that you have started your wonderful work and you are committed to completing that work. And Father, we look forward to that day when we don't have to battle sin anymore. But Father, we might be those whom you find righteous and pure, and holy because of our Savior Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.